the message you're about to hear is half of the message. The other half will be, Lord willing, next Sunday. Because we have to do what we did at the first service to make it, you know, copacetic. Uh, so the first service, we got through half of the message, so this service, we'll have to get through half of the message. So I have to trust the Lord to let the anointing be the same, so that we're not finished with this in ten minutes. Amen? Amen. Or we're not finished in an hour. I, it's a good time, it's a good length. But anyway, uh, the topic today is about fasting. Fasting. Uh, for some of us, we know it, we get it. For many of us, we never thought of it. I don't know what it's all about. Last month, we focused on the topic of faith, January, faith month. This month, we're going to focus, Lord willing, on the topic of fasting. Um, and we're, we're taking the, the sermon from Isaiah 58. Now, at the business meeting on Friday, I shared a devotional about this, uh, which we probably won't even get to until next Sunday. But if you take your Bible to Isaiah 58. I want to read just a couple of verses, <clears throat> not the whole thing, but verses, uh, <clears throat> starting at verse number 6 through 9. I just want to read those scriptures and then get into the message. So, the Lord is speaking here. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, that I have chosen, that the Lord chose, chose this fast? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. And the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Father, Lord, speak to us through your word today. We welcome your Holy Spirit, Lord, to enlighten us, to bring to our mind and our spirit the things that are most important. Lord, help me to preach this message the way you want. Let it fall upon ears that want to hear. Let it be a life changer for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let me just get a little sip of water here. So as we talk about fasting, um, we're not necessarily speaking about fasting for health benefits. Now lately, I've heard in the news, there, there's a thing going on. You know, there's popular trends in health. Intermittent fasting where people don't eat for a day or whatever, every couple of weeks. And it's got to, supposedly is good for your body. You know, it, it gives your body a chance to rest and replenish itself and so forth. Most of us probably eat too much anyway, so it's probably not a bad idea. But that's not what we're talking about. Although, if you fast for spiritual reasons, there could be a residual side effect that would be good for your health. But if you fast for physical for physical reasons only, I don't think there's any spiritual benefit. But if you t- turn it around and fast spiritually, you know, with a spiritual purpose, God may bless you with some other benefits in your in your body. So I, I, I want to mention here that what we're talking about today is fasting food. Everybody say, Amen. Now, now some people will say, and this isn't bad. I'm not against this. I'm fasting social media. 
Well, maybe we all should do that. Or I'm fasting music and TV and radio or whatever. Maybe we should that. Some people say, I'm fasting talking. And everybody says amen, and they're going crazy because they can't talk. But some of us maybe should fast talking. I don't know. But, but we're not talking about that. We're, we're talking about fasting food, not eating food for a time. Uh, now, as I present this today, let me tell you that fasting, to me, is a mystery. It's kind of like tithing. It's something that we know we should do, but we usually don't want to do it. It's something that we think we can't do and we're unable to do, like tithing. We think we can't tithe because we know there's money to do that, but when we start to tithe, we see God's blessing. And so when we get into this frame of mind where I'm going to fast, and, and we think, man, I can't fast, I'm hungry. I mean, I'm hungry all the time, I can't fast, you know. But as we do it, not because we feel like it, but because we do it, we, we, we want to do it, we see God's blessing in it. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. That's all it is. And you don't have to do it. Just like you don't have to tithe, you won't lose your salvation if you don't tithe or if you don't fast. This is something to do if you want to do it, if you see the importance of it. If you want to stay biblically connected to the way things were in the Word of God, we would take on these spiritual disciplines and benefit from it. But you don't have to do it. But we should do it. Is anybody feeling guilty yet? I don't know. I'm just saying, you don't have to, but we should want to. And let me say, I'm not the greatest faster in the world. In some cases, I dread it because I love to eat. So, yeah, it's really important for me to fast because I know in my mind, it's like, man, I don't even want to go there. But I do, not enough, but I do. But every time I, I enter it with kind of dread, like, oh, man. But then on the other side of it, it's the blessing. But I know the battle. Believe me, I get the battle. Several years ago, there was a, a, a Christian minister. His name was Edwin Cole. He wrote a very... A very popular book at the time, about 25 years ago maybe, called Maximized Manhood. A great book for men's ministry. He's now deceased. I think it was in that book or another book that he wrote, but he wrote a little section about fasting. And listen to what he said. I want to present the concept. I can't quote him. But he said, fasting is like cutting off the umbilical cord that ties us to the earth. Ooh. I mean, I remember this all these years later, so it made an impact on me. It it leaves us totally dependent upon God. For instance, we don't eat meat. We don't eat, you know, beef or we don't eat poultry. We don't even eat fish. Because all those things eat from things that came out of the ground or the sea. So when you don't eat that, you're cutting yourself off from the earth. We don't eat vegetables or any produce from the earth, because that would tie us to the earth. Thank the Lord we can't do it for too long, because we need to eat, to live. But, we, you know, sometimes we eat just to eat, like me. We just, that's what we do. <laughs> but, but, you know, so he's saying when you fast, you're cutting off your earthly connection to the earth. I like that. You know, when we fast, we're cutting off any fleshly connection. It's severed. It's cut off. And we're, we're all alone. We're depending solely upon the Lord for strength and sustenance. For a time. For a time. So I want to, I want to present to you a, a definition. And, and you know, it was hard to develop a definition of what fasting. I looked up what other people say about it. It's very complex. And it means different things to different people. 
So this is my definition for, for just for what, it, what it's worth here. But fasting, to me, is a spiritual discipline in which one abstains from food for a time, and we draw closer to the Lord in prayer and petition. And I say prayer and petition because uh, prayer includes other things besides petition. Like prayer would include praise, thanksgiving, worship, repentance. So we spend that time praying to God, but also making petitions to God. And in that process, we grow spiritually uh, stronger, <coughs> And we leave the results in God's hands. So it's something that we do. We see it in the Bible and we do it. And, and, and in the process of that, we get stronger spiritually, but we leave the results in God's hands. So I want to go through a couple of scriptures that talk about fasting to try to get a better understanding of what it is and the direction that the Lord would have us to go in. So on this slide, there's there's several scriptures listed. I want to try to take my time with this. Uh, this is what happened this morning. That's why we're going into two parts. But, but in Exodus 34, <clears throat> we see Moses, before the law was given, before the Ten Commandments were given, <clears throat> he's on, the, on Mount Sinai. It says he was without food, without, I'm sorry, without bread and without water for 40 days and 40 nights. And in, in that in that moment of consecration to God, he met with God. Now that that opens up a whole thing for me. Not that I do it often, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to fast on Saturday, at least a meal or something, to get ready for being in the presence of God on Sunday. This is what's going on here. He fasted. He prayed. He consecrated. He purged himself. He made himself just open to God without anything interfering. And boy, did God bless him with his presence, with the law, with the Ten Commandments. And Moses was used powerfully by God. I mean, you have to wonder, too, do you want to be used powerfully by God? What's it going to take to be used powerfully by God? Just uh, an anointing one day, God's going to say, boom, there you go. Or will God look at us and say, that one there, he's serious about me. I think that's what's happening here with Moses. Then uh, Leviticus chapter 16, we read about the Day of Atonement, one of the, one of the, the, the holidays, if, if you will, on the Jewish calendar. The Day of Atonement was a once a year uh, thing where it says they would afflict their soul. Now, whenever you hear that phrase, afflict their soul, they're referring to fasting. If you fasted like I fasted in the past, my soul is definitely afflicted. I mean, I think I'm hungry, but I'm not. I couldn't be, you know? I just missed them. I couldn't be that hungry. But in my mind, my soul is like, oh my goodness, I'm falling apart because I didn't eat. And then everything bothers me. Something's too loud. Something's too soft. The guy in front of me is driving me crazy. Things bother me because I'm not eating, you know? But this is what happened. Their soul, it was a time to just get alone and fast and repent before God. You see, that's what, that's what it, the Day of Atonement. You, you atone of your sins. You know, you ask God to forgive you. Okay, then we have a situation in Nehemiah chapter 1, and you're probably familiar with this, that Nehemiah, the cupbearer, heard these reports that Jerusalem was destroyed and the walls of the temple were knocked down and the city was in a mess, it was in ruins. And verse 4 says that Nehemiah, you know, pulled back and 
<clears throat> cried out to God and wept, mourned before God, and prayed and fasted. And that was his first reaction, to pull back. He heard this great calamity and pulled back, get alone with God, and pray and fast and weep and mourn before God. Now, that, this reminds me of something, too. I mean, if we, if we weep and mourn, like, how much do we need of that? To make God... See, what I'm saying is, the fasting and the prayers won't affect the forgiveness and the direction that comes. It's already provided for us. But for instance, why did Peter have to weep bitter tears when he denied the Lord? What if he only wept a little bit? What if he didn't weep at all? Would he still have been forgiven? Yeah, he would have been. So it's not, it's not so much about getting more grace from God or more direction from God. It's about getting us in the position to receive whatever from God. So Nehemiah, he wept and mourned. He was beside himself. Here, here's the thing. God allows for our individual expression. What I might cry over, you might not. And what you cry over, I might not. But you know what? Whatever you have to do, do it. You know, but but understand, however you respond to God, it's God's grace that's trumping everything in your life anyway. You don't have to, like, like for, for some, for instance, uh, for someone who's, who's crying over a sin that they committed. All right. If you really need to cry, man, you better cry and weep. But for some of us, we're not built that way. We'll repent and be sincere. And we don't have to necessarily cry out, like, out loud. And God sees the heart. That's what I'm trying to say. But, but anyway, fasting gets us to a place of just surrendering to God. Yielding to God. Nehemiah was yielding to God. I think he was saying, Lord, the walls are torn down. What are we going to do about it? So he's getting himself ready for something. You know the story. He went back and he was the one God used to go there to fix it. I think it goes back to the fact that he was praying and fasting. It wasn't about the wall. It was about him being ready to do something for God. You follow me? So then the next uh, episode we have of of, uh, fasting is Jesus, Matthew 4. Jesus was praying and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. The Holy Spirit led him to the wilderness to pray and fast. And lo and behold, what happens when he gets in the wilderness as he's praying and fasting? He's being tempted by Satan. First thing he says, turn these rocks into bread. Well, you know what? I'm hungry. Those rocks, they kind of look like bread. Yeah, I'll take that. But Jesus said, no, you know, he, he, he refuted it with the word. But, but here Jesus is, is going through this, this discipline of getting his heart right, his spirit right. It was almost like, I don't want to say this was a test for Jesus. That, that's too strong. But it's almost like his initiation into ministry. Because after that happened, his three-year ministry began, which ended at the cross and ended at the empty tomb. But if it weren't for these 40 days of consecration, the rest of it probably wouldn't have happened, which gives us another little insight into what we're doing for God. If we want God to use us and to do something radical, maybe we need to pray and fast about it first and be anointed by God to do whatever he moves us out to do. Okay, the other example we we find in... Uh, Acts chapter 13, and and this is a little case where the church of Antioch, now this is probably 20 years after Jesus ascended or so, the church of Antioch, it says uh, the leaders are praying and ministering to the Lord and they're fasting. 
together. So it was a practice of the church. And as they're doing that, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, separate for me uh, for ministry uh, Barnabas and Saul, and Saul and send them out to the mission field. And then it says that the leaders were praying and fasting and laid hands on them, them and sent them out to ministry. So twofold thing here. One is just to pray and fast in general to get the voice of God, to hear from God. The second part is when someone's getting ready to do something, pray and fast to bless them and send them out with the prayers and fastings of the saints. So I, I think about all, and there's many more examples of fasting in the Bible, but I, I question this, like, how does this work? So if we do A, B, C, God's going to do X, Y, Z. If, if we do this, he's got to do that. Well, he's beholden to us because we did all that. Well, that can't be true. Because no one's going to tell God what to do. God will do what he wants to do. So what is our purpose? What is our point? Is it magic? Is it like something magical is going to happen just because I fasted? Let me tell you this story from, from 2 Samuel chapter 12. It's not on the screen, but 2 Samuel 12 is a story of David who was living his life as though nothing had happened. He murdered somebody. He committed adultery with somebody. He covered it up. He was living his life like no problem at all. He's just living his life. And God, in his mercy, sent a prophet to David to confront him. It was Nathan. You know the story, and Nathan confronted David with, with a little parable, and, and Nathan, said, Nathan said to David, David, you're the man. You're the one. So David repented, admitted it, made his peace with God, got in good stand, good understanding with the Lord, good ground with God. He's all better now. He's, all, he's good now. It was exposed and dealt with. Right? So then he finds out, as he comes back home, his son is really sick. Well, what's he going to do? It says he went to the Lord in prayer and fasting. If there's any way, Lord, heal my son. Don't let him get sick and die. So he prayed and he fasted. And guess what happened? The son died. And you wonder, well, what's happening there? Well, you pray and fast for God to move, and God does what he wants to do. The the miracle of the story is what David did next. It says that after, because the, the servants were, were afraid to tell David because they were afraid of what he was going to do. But they had to tell him. So what did David do after he prayed and fasted and sought after God? What he did was he heard the news his son had died. He went back, he washed his face, put on his worship clothes, and went into the temple to worship God. Now, How could you do that? Because he prayed and fasted. It wasn't like, okay, the situation didn't change, but he changed. And that's the point of what I'm trying to get at. Fasting will change us more than anybody. And because he spent time with God and fasted and poured out his heart, he had a better connection, better relationship with God, so that when the calamity happened, he knew exactly what he had to do. Get up, get cleaned up, and go to the temple and worship God. And he went on with his life, and he did it. I think a lot of our problems and issues with people, with situations, could be avoided if we're in a better spiritual condition to begin with uh, as, we, as we find out about certain events that happen. In other words, if we're not praying and fasting, we could very likely respond in the flesh without it being batting an eyelash. 
and then realize it later and repent for that, which we should do. But if we're already prayed up and we're already fasting and seeking God when something ridiculous happens, we're in a better condition to deal with the issue as a spiritual person than a person who's just like in the world. So, but there is a little bit of a dilemma here. Okay, the dilemma is Second Peter 1.3, which is on the screen, but... When we come to Christ, everything's given to us. So why do we have to fast? You know what I mean? Like if we're in good relationship, good standing with God, what does it say? His divine power has given us, given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Well, hallelujah. We got everything we need, so why do we have to fast? We could say, why do we have to pray? Why do we have to study the Word of God? Why do we have to go to church on Sundays? We could say a lot of things. If He's given us everything, I go back to what Jesus said in Mark 9, that this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Huh. But you've given us everything, but now you're saying we have to do that. So here's, here's the thing. When we read, uh, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, He's given us information. He's given us the Word of God. In that relationship of His divine power coming on us, we understand, guess what? We need the Word of God. That's His divine power being revealed. We need the Word of God. As a matter of fact, when we first got saved many years ago, it could have been because of the time, the times in which I grew up. I mean, I grew up uh, at a time when most people went to church. Well, most people I knew anyway went to church. Whether they were born again or not, they went to church. So when I got saved, it was perfectly natural for me to want to go to church. No one told me I had to go to church. So I don't know if that's still happening today or not. But uh, also, no one told me to stop smoking pot. I just knew I couldn't smoke pot anymore. No one told me that. I was enlightened. <laughs> I had like divine power on me. Like, what are you getting high for? What are you drinking for? You don't have to do that. You don't have to play your guitar in nightclubs anymore. You don't do that. No one told me those things. That was just the power of God that came with the package. It came with the package, right? So then I realized that, you know, uh, I, now that I'm born, I have to read the Word of God. Man, when you get into the Word of God, you find out everything you need to know. But here's the thing. I remember, I may have shared this at some point. The college that I went to was a, uh, a, a, a church-affiliated college, Elon University. It's affiliated with the Church of Christ. Uh, and so I went there as a freshman and I had to take a course in uh, Old Testament. It wasn't a Bible college. It was just a secular, secular college. And I had to read the Bible. And I got absolutely nothing out of that. Nothing. It was dry. It was hard. It was. I remember reading and saying, what in the world are they even talking about? I had no clue what they were talking about. I probably got a D in the class, which is another story, but... But then how come five years later when I got saved, I read the same thing and I said, oh, isn't that interesting? Well, that happened? Wow, that's really good. I never knew that. All of a sudden, it was enlightened. The Word was no more enlightened. It was me that was enlightened. And so when you come to Christ, you're enlightened and you read the Word of God, you find out everything that you need. Everything is in there. You, you learn that you have to pray. You really need to be in fellowship. 
You need to study the Word of God, and you need to be fasting, too. Yeah, that's in there. So, so that Second Peter thing there, uh, one three, his divine power has, has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him. Yeah, in that knowledge, we understand there's certain things we've got to do. We can't just say, God did everything for me, so now I'm going to go live my life. No, he has us now. What did Paul say? I'm a bond servant. I'm a willing slave of my master. I submit myself to his authority. I'll do what he, what he tells me to do. So then, okay, let me, let me read a couple of other, other scriptures here. David said this, Psalm 69. <clears throat> I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. That uh, became my reproach. I wept and chastened my soul. I brought this on myself. I put myself in a position of vulnerability and, and just being a reproach and being humbled before my God. He says in Psalm 109, he says, My knees are weak through fasting, and my flesh is feeble. <clears throat> my translation says, from lack of fatness. So that, that means, okay, when you're fasting, you get weak physically. Your knees, you lose weight, you're, you, you, feel, you feel different because you're fasting. In fact, there have been times in my life uh, and I must say that when there's crucial times in my life, I usually do fast. And there was a time some years ago when people were asking me, are you not well? You're losing a lot of weight. Not since I've been here, by the way. But, <laughs> but, but the point was, yeah, I, no, I wasn't sick. I was fasting. I was seeking God's direction. I needed to know what to do with my life, with my family. And those, those had to do with moves, relocating. Those were big decisions. And so I got along with God and I, I did that. Uh, so it affected me physically. Psalm 35, this is interesting. <clears throat> he says, as for me, when, when they were sick, right? When, when they, those, they were sick and I was concerned, my clothing was sackcloth <clears throat> and I humbled myself with fasting. And then he says, my prayer would return to my own heart. Wow, what do you mean? I'm praying to God. And God somehow makes it come back on me to do something about the situation. So the prayer and fasting put me in a position to feel God's heart regarding that situation. And so the prayer came back and then directed his steps to do what he needed to do. So I've entitled this message, Call to Fast. Okay, this is where we're going to try to wrap it up right here, because I have a whole other section to go in. But if you would, turn over to Isaiah 58 for just a minute. Well, let me say this right here. I'm calling the church to fast starting next Sunday, February 9th to the end of the month, February 29th. There's 29 days this year in February. 21-day fast. I'm calling the church to a 21-day fast. Now, that doesn't mean don't eat for 21 days unless the Lord leads you that way. You may want to check with your doctor first. But for 21 days, I'm asking everyone, to fast, fast a meal, fast a day, fast a couple of days a week, a couple of meals a week, stop eating dessert, stop drinking soda, or whatever you like, you know, whatever it is, you know. I have a list this long, but that's another thing. But whatever, just give up something. Give up something so that God knows we're serious. Now, this was birthed out of anguish for the church in my heart. 
so many sick, so many in the hospital, so many relationships troubled, so many kids of ours leaving the Lord. I just, my heart is like, God. And he said, Rick. <laughs> oh, call the church to a fast. Yeah, that's good. What are we going to do? We can't change it, but we can ask God to do something. And so I'm just, I'm just putting it out here. We have one week to think about it and pray about it. It's going to start next Sunday. So whether, whether it's a meal or a, a day or a dessert or something, just begin to ask God how you can do this. And for 21 days, we're going to beseech the Lord with prayers and fasting. I want to go back to verse number six. Let me, let me put it this way. Look at Isaiah 58, six. Are you not tired of the bonds of wickedness around people that you know? Maybe around yourself. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of those bonds that wrap people up and trip people up. I've seen the other side of that where people get delivered and are worshiping God and serving God with a clean heart. And the wickedness is way behind them. I want that. I want that for you. I want that for our families. I want that for my family. I, I want to, are, are you sick and tired of the heavy burdens? Now, okay, so here's the thing. I don't know that God, God could take away the burden, but he'll take away the load of the burden. The burden won't seem like a burden anymore when God moves on it. You ever notice that? Like you have all these things. All these things may never change, but you'll change. You'll be able to deal with it better. Verse 6. To let the oppressed go free. Aren't you tired? Maybe, maybe sometimes you feel oppressed. I feel oppressed sometimes. I'm tired of feeling oppressed. I need a breakthrough. Um, that you break every yoke. Yeah. And then it goes into verse seven. See this where you share your bread, you bring in people to your house, you clothe the naked, and you don't hide yourself from your own flesh. That means you deal with your own sin while you do this. But here's the thing. As you fast, guess what? As we fast, two things are going to happen. We're going to have a little bit more time on our hands because we're not eating. We can do something else, which we should be praying instead of eating. And number two is we're not buying food. We're not paying for food. So we got a little more money in our pocket. So we could do something like feeding the poor with it. That's where, that's where that comes from. We could deal with our own problems, our own sin, and deal with our own flesh, you know? But then the beauty of it is in verse number seven, I'm going to take a little bit of my message from next week. Uh, verse number eight, rather, when we do all this, right, with the right heart, man, our light, your light will break forth. Your healing will spring forth. Your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You can't lose when you're under the covering of God after praying and fasting. So we're praying for the wicked and this and that, this and that. And God's saying, well, when you do all that, guess what? You're going to benefit from it. Man, I like that arrangement. I do. And we'll leave the rest in God's hands, and God will do whatever He wants to do. But He'll hear us. But in the process of that relationship with God, and that burden for the oppressed or whatever, God sees our heart, and God blesses us. It says in verse 9, if we call out, He'll answer. When we cry out, He'll say, here I am. And then it goes on, I'm going to close with verse number 12. Those from among you, those from let's say, those from among this body of believers... Uh, shall build the old waste places. In other words, there's things that have died, ministries that have died, people that are emotionally dead, 
but we bring life to people and God will restore the things that have been dead and resurrect them. Then he says, uh, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. I love that because how many of you have children here? How many have grandchildren? A lot of us have grandkids. Some might have great grandkids. But what I'm saying is when I read that verse there, uh, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. We've been praying for our kids and our grandkids. But the fasting and the praying to God over different things even will, will affect the generations to come after us. He'll raise up those generations. We've been serving God. We've been seeking God. We've been praying and fasting and worshiping God in spirit and truth. God will, will take care of our generations. He'll raise them up. And send them out and they'll follow suit with the faith that we have. And then it says, you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. Don't you want that to be our name? We're restoring. We're repairing. We're giving life. We're giving hope. It's not just a formality. That was, that was the problem in Isaiah 58. They made it a formality. And the Lord sent Isaiah to correct them. But we, we don't want to just have the, the format of what we do. We want to have living water. In fact, in verse number 11, it talks about, about uh, we'll be like a watered garden, springs of water rising up within us. And, and, and that's what I want to see happen. We need to be a life-giving church. There was a prophecy here several years ago now that the Spirit of the Lord would come in these doors like a mighty river, and just come in and overwhelm us with the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And with that anointing, the life would come in, new life would come in, and the, and the poor life, the poor quality of life will go out. And God's presence would be here to minister to the needs of everyone that walks through the door. I believe that, that God still wants to do that powerfully. But it's going to take a little bit on our part to get the heart of God. So I'm asking you, Next Sunday, well, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll go into part two of this. But next Sunday, we're going to start praying and fasting. Now, we won't be meeting formally unless there's a, a cry for that. But we do meet on Monday, uh, Sunday nights anyway. We do meet on Monday nights anyway. We meet on Wednesday nights anyway. Uh, Thursday nights with the inner healing. And there's the men's and women's coming up as well. So there's, there's opportunities to gather with the saints to pray together. If you want to do it more formally, somebody let me know. Talk to me. Uh, someone asked me if we could let him into the church at like 7.30 in the morning on Sunday morning or 8 o'clock. I said, yeah, we'll let you in early. You want to come in and pray and fast? Absolutely. So I'm calling the church to pray and fast starting next Sunday for 21 days to seek God, to run after God and show him that you mean business. And let's get rid of the formality of this. Let's get desperate before God. I'm ready for 2020 to be a tremendous year of, of preaching, seeing God work, seeing God save, seeing God deliver people, heal people. Why not? You know what? In the background of my mind, Jesus is getting ready to come back. He wants to see his church ready and doing things for the kingdom, not being lackadaisical and just waiting, waiting for what? It's time. It's time. The time is now. So I'm asking you to be praying about it this week. And uh, next Sunday night, in some way or another, we're going to start doing it for 21 days. Why don't we stand together? We're going to close this out. 